again to another episode of the Ryan Hancock podcast. I am joined by a get my guest today is a woman who has been like a second mother to me as well as my spiritual uh my spiritual advisor uh during my uh failed attempt at running to running for city council four years ago but she is still my spiritual advisor Reverend Melanie Reverend Melanie welcome to the podcast Thank you, Ryan. I can't wait till we can be in the studio together again. Well, one of the saving graces about this, about doing Zoom, is that it's given me a chance, a good chance to do, like, to actually do podcasts. Because I was doing podcasts a lot of times. I was doing like in-person podcasting, and even if this, even if there wasn't a pandemic, I probably would have welcomed doing this because. I can do my, you know, do my day job and I can like make what make time, like put a, put aside some time to record a podcast with my friends and stuff. But that's not why we're here. I feel like Rev, the last four years have felt like 50 years. That's true. And what well, happened this week, this week alone feels like it's been a year. Yeah, it really has. Um, when last year happened, I think last year, the stuff that happened apart from the pandemic, do you think it felt like a reckoning of like American society being brought to its knees, especially here in New Orleans? Like a lot of things that happened here in terms of like the protests. I mean, we, people in this city, people, you know, you grew up here and, and you're, you're familiar with the protests and stuff, but do you feel like last year, everything that happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, do you feel like that was a reckoning on Americans, on American culture? You know, in some ways, yes, Ryan. Um, certainly we did not have national outcry uh, when the NOPD murdered a woman in her apartment on the West Bank. Uh, you know, her name was did not become a byword nationally. Um, so that the murder of Breonna Taylor in, in her home uh, reached heights of consciousness, awareness, recognition. I mean, uh, you know, the NFL was was uh, uh, doing Say Her Name, and I think Drew Brees himself was wearing a Breonna Taylor mask uh, on Sunday. So things are, are very different. But I think one of the things that did it was not the number of people killed by police. Uh, 
uh, all because first of all, we can't tell how many have been killed in past years. They weren't even keeping records of it. Uh, so, so we don't know. Is it was it a reckoning because so many people were killed? Probably not. Was it a reckoning because now we know their names, whereas before the stories just got buried? I don't know. Possibly not. We're still not keeping track of all the transgender people being murdered every year. Um, I, I think, and I'm not the first person to say this, um, um, there, there, there have been Black people and people of color saying this on Twitter and social media. I think what was different in 2020 was that uh, as the meme goes, the, the quiet part was being said out loud for, for quite some time since 1968. And I, I date a lot of this to 1968. A lot of the country, especially the white country, but I, I would say possibly others uh, within like the communities of color, people felt like we have made a tremendous amount of progress. See how far we've come. People had to die and it was terrible, but we got these laws passed, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. Things are different now and racists are afraid to say stuff out loud. So they're on the run. They have to stay quiet. They have to stay hidden. So even though we know they're still there, Things are better now because racists won't speak up, even if that's what they're thinking. And now what 2020 showed us was, no, no, they don't have to be quiet. They don't have to hide at the house. They, they don't have to like couch their language in a, a, a more uh, discreet, covered up way of talking. Nope, nope. They can just come right out and say, we want to suppress black votes because otherwise Republicans will never win again. Uh, they want to just Absolutely. come right out and say Absolutely. Mexicans are, you know, Mexicans are rapists. Maybe a few of them are good. You know, they can just come right out and say stuff. And while I'm a white person, I've, I've been lucky enough uh, to have real friendships uh, with black people and people of color. And over and over again in my adult life, I have had black people say to me straight out, I would rather white folks be out front racist than mm -hmm. for them to pretend that they're not so you know if you if you want me to say there's a reckoning there's the reckoning the re the racist came out of the closet and now everybody not just black people who knew all along but now everybody can go wow that that really was racist and they're saying it out loud so that that to me is the reckoning. That's the difference. Now there, I, I definitely agree with that because I think, and it's the thing that I said like the other day, um, because one thing I said uh, Sunday was with about especially with like the Larry Morrow thing, is that people don't like accountability. They don't like accountability, and they don't like being called out on their stuff. And I said, um. You all had no problem with canceling Rouse's, even though everybody in New Orleans know that Rouse's are big Trump supporters. They donate a lot of money to GOP causes, but you all don't want to cancel Larry Morrow because it's, we're knocking down a black man. I'm like, okay, they're both tied to selfishness. What the people did in Washington DC, they got so mad 
And basically, they were egged on by a giant man child that wanted to throw overthrow an election that he basically got trounced in. It's about, it's basically no different than a person, than Falcon fans wanting to stop the stop the count when it's 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. It's basically tied to selfishness. Uh, this and, and and what I mean by when and I say this because people hate being held accountable for things and they don't like being called out. They like to do whatever they want to do and not be called out. And why do you think we hate accountability, Rev? Well, you know, Ryan, I, I, I hate to ascribe childishness to uh, to some of our uh, bad behaving uh, elected officials and non-elected Republicans, because uh, my experience as a parent is is not that horrible. Uh, I, you know, I guess I guess human beings, you know, are defensive and don't like to be called out when they do the wrong thing. Um, that that's probably certain. That's probably something that can be said. Um, but I do know as a parent that if you don't contain bad behavior and make sure that there are appropriate consequences for bad behavior, the bad behavior doesn't just repeat, it escalates. It goes to the mm -hmm. next level. You know, if you don't, if you don't stop your toddler from, from taking all the candy from the bowl, well, then they're going to eat the entire box of Girl Scout cookies in the cabinet the next time on top of eating all the candy. If you don't, if you don't stop someone uh, from, from doing the, the one bad thing and making sure there's an app appropriate consequences, that's what accountability means. It doesn't mean public shaming. It doesn't mean people necessarily have to go to jail, but there have to be appropriate consequences for bad behavior or bad behavior just repeats and gets worse um, you know if your teenager comes in and the, the 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 curfew was 11 and they came in at 12 and you're like eh, okay but don't do it again well the next time they're going to come in at 1 a.m and it's just going to get worse until they steal your car and have an accident um, mm -hmm. this is this is just all well known to parents and grandparents of any race um, it, and, and this is how human beings are. Uh, if, 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 if I say that what you do is bad, but nothing happens to you because you did it, then it must not have been that bad. And so therefore I'm going to do it again and I'll go a little farther because we all like to test boundaries that that appears to be extremely a mammalian not you know if you watch any nature shows on tv you know the 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 mammals will will push the boundaries of their territory they will push the boundaries of what's allowed in their animal group i mean you know this this is probably just built into us but absolutely there's got to be know, consequences and you know and the reason why i asked this is because i i bring it up a lot i text um dave gladow I think one day I was in the quarter, I was, cause you know, I deliver food on my bike. Yeah. And I was telling him, you know, this four year stretch with Trump is a lesson for parents that this is not how you behave. That this guy never had an answer for anything in his life. 
ever until now. He decided to be a president. And guess what? He has to learn. He's gotten, he's now learning the rewards and consequences of everything that he does. Because nobody in his family ever showed him how to do those things. They let him terrorize, terrorize, terrorize until one day, until when he got elected, getting elected, I'm going to say this, getting elected for Trump, Trump getting elected, it showed the racism, the, it showed the closeted racist out in the open, but it also showed him that he's got consequences. Like now you can't, you can't host a PGA, you can't host PGA events anymore. You, your, your name is mud. Basically your brand is blood, uh, uh, not blood, but mud. And I told Dave, I said, this is the, what it starts at home starts, uh, comes into play. When you teach your kids rewards and consequences, they, I'm not going to sit here and say they all going to end up turning into per perfect little angels, but they understand the boundaries of rewards and consequences and they understand discipline. And when you let that go unchecked, you get people like Donald Trump or you get. People we also like have Arkell. to recognize that he was abused. Yes. Uh, he was greatly emotionally abused uh, by both of his parents, uh, especially his father. But he was he was emotionally abused. Now, here's the deal, Ryan. Uh, just because you are abused and traumatized as a child. That does not turn you into a racist. It does not turn you into an evil person. It does not turn you into a person who's going to be completely selfish and self-absorbed for the rest of your life. It certainly has a tendency towards doing that. But human beings have choices. There are people who are probably or certainly much more abused than than Donald Trump was in his childhood, his adolescence, and his young adulthood by his parents. Um, lots of worse abuse, lots. And not every single person who was abused uh, even worse than he was turns out to be a, a completely um, self-absorbed, selfish uh, person. Um, so, so, you know, some of it, definitely, he had childhood trauma. Uh, he probably has a deficit um, where a, a whole lot of his fellow human beings have a, some kind of reservoir of compassion and feeling for others. But I, I can't believe that, you know, that it was simply the trauma he experienced. Uh, he made his own choices to mm -hmm. go to go, as the Star Wars people say, to the dark side. But I don't usually like to say that because of the whole colorism thing. But you make choices, you know, mm -hmm. bad, terrible things happened, you know, in a person's life and they can make choices to go mm -hmm. in a different direction. He never it, made any of those choices. And I it, don't it, believe... I, I am I don't subscribe to the idea that some people are born evil and so therefore no. they never even had the chance to become good because they were born evil. No, you know what? He was a, probably a cute little baby. He was probably a cute little baby, cute little toddler. He had he had opportunities in front of him for there to be a good life and for him to have been a good brother 
a good son, a good family man, uh, later on a good husband, a good friend. But everything is transactional with him, and it is choices mm-hmm. that he makes. I hold him culpable. I don't say this is all beyond his control because he was abused. No, he made choices to turn into this. And, uh, and you and I have had conversations before. I mean, obviously, I'm clergy. I'm ordained clergy. Um, I, I'm a universalist. And to this day, I'm a universalist if there is a uh, a heaven i i'm sorry i'm gonna get something for this but i believe that he's going to it because i believe everybody goes to it i don't believe in hell i don't believe that god damns any of his children now maybe you can get to the afterlife and god says you want to come in here with heaven with uh, martin luther king jr and with malcolm x and uh, with and he start and God starts naming all these people. You, maybe you get a choice and you can say, "No, I'm a jerk. I don't want to be with those people in heaven." And maybe God says, "Well, okay, it was your pick." But I don't. Believe yeah, you God go down there. Like, yeah, he will. I don't believe I, I God feel- sends people to hell. So, so you know, even then, he'll get a choice and he'll probably make the wrong one because he's been given choices his whole life and he continues to choose to pick the wrong thing. Uh, you know, even his, his farewell speech today, clearly he didn't write it. Um, no, he didn't uh, write it. Uh, one of the things that really, really got me was, uh, you know, uh, I, I give thanks to my wife and my children because they're sources of light, light, light and joy. I, I mean, I, I can't I, even I picture it. I can't even. I mean, when was one time that he actually went and played? Like, think of this. There was a photo of I'm, you know, I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan, and I'm gonna have to show you the photo. There's a photo of Carlos Beltran facing Adam Wainwright in Game Seven of the 2006 National League Championship Series. In the background, you can see Donald Trump in his typical suit and I'm pretty sure he didn't have any kids he didn't have his sons with him like I can tell you times where my dad took me to baseball games like my dad I think took me to a couple of baseball games when I was a kid the Nationals you're you're in DC Washington has a baseball team I can't think of any time where he took up time with Barron like you can't even think of that. Like, I can't even picture that. Or taking up time with his grandkids. Like, that's something I cannot even envision. And it's like, the thing is, Rev, there's the thing, like, for example, uh, the other day, I have a family friend um, who knows my mom. And for years, I used to always think that the reason my, my mom was like the way she was was because of my grandmother's death. And keep in mind, Rev, my, my grandmother's years. And I thought about it and I thought about what you said about Trump. And I'm like, we all have choices. And my mom chooses to use that as a crutch that my grandmother's death is why she lashed out at people and why she 
ran me out of town in so many words and why she basically has pushed everybody away. And one time, and then I'll shut up and I'll go to my next question, which will be about the $15 or the $15 minimum wage. One time, a friend of mine, Quinn Scott, he told me one time, and I, cause I didn't realize I had been abused. And I talked about this when I was, uh, on, I was doing a radio show uh, with my cousin Quentin. And, he, and I talked about how I was emotionally, I would say more like emotionally abused. And so, I wouldn't say physically, but, but more emotionally. And he said something, he was like, Ryan, you can break the cycle. You can break the cycle. Like we all have choices to break cycles. Just because you had a lot of childhood trauma doesn't mean you can't break the cycle. And we all have choices. And like the stuff that I deal with, dealt with with my mom, my mom chose to not break that cycle and continue to be mad and bitter at everyone. And it hurts because I'm the only child, but imagine what kind of person Trump could have been had he acknowledged the fact that he had been abused, that he go, that it, if he had gone to therapy or stuff, he would be a totally different person. But instead, here we are. So yeah, uh, I do feel sorry for him. That does not keep me from thinking he was the worst president in in history. Uh, it does not keep me from wanting him to face uh, accountability, conviction by the Senate, so that he is barred from ever running for office again. Uh, but in because I'm a pastor, I can feel compassion for him. Uh, you know, the reason I'm comfortable saying that he he, uh, he he will not go to hell when he dies because there is no hell when you die. He has created his own hell and he mm -hmm. lives in it. He lives in it mm -hmm. all the time where nobody really cares for him. It's all transactional. He himself mm -hmm. doesn't care for anybody. It's all transactional. He never really feels safe and secure in any accomplishments he might have because he, he lives in constant terror and fear of being found out. His life is hell. No one mm -hmm. loves him. No one likes him. And, and his, life, his life is, to me, as a religious person, uh, it's hell. It, it's hell. I agree. I agree. It's like, I, I'll say this. I remember um, years ago, I, I remember a long time ago, uh, Jeff Perlman came on my radio show. Uh, he wrote a book about the USFL and he also wrote a book about uh, the Lakers with uh, the Shaq and Kobe years. And I told him, I said, you know, Jeff, show me a time where this guy had a friend that came out and said, I saw him donate, you know, pull out a $200, like $200 to this homeless guy and give it like $200 to this guy or something like, or I saw him, like we, me and him, we go out with our sons and we play catch. Like I can envision Tom Brady and Drew Brees doing something like that. You get what I'm saying? I can't envision him doing something like that because he doesn't know what that is. Uh, there's you know, so much he doesn't know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You want to move on? Yes. Uh, <laughs> what does the $15 minimum wage do for New Orleans? 
because I, and, and the reason why I asked this before, like five or six years ago, I was like, okay, what is a $15 minimum wage? I'm like, you're going to pay $15 to, for a, per, a person is going to get paid $15 to flip hamburgers. And then I worked at Lucky Dogs and then I realized, okay, dealing with customers, dealing with drunks, dealing with everything that happens in a quarter, you should get paid more than what you, you get. And that's when it kind of like a light bulb flipped in my head. I know you've been at the forefront of the fight for 15. And for a city like New Orleans, does the, does the $15 minimum wage help this city? Well, I think there's no question that a $15 minimum wage would uh, would help the city. Uh, it, so many of our workers are minimum wage workers. And uh, the, uh, the thing is, is that although the Republicans like to talk about the rising tide, um, a $15 minimum wage would be a literal rising tide. People who are making 12, 13, $15 now would go, oh my God, I'm making minimum wage. <laughs> and employers would have to bump them up unless they, you know, and, and unless they want to just advertise, yeah, we start everybody at minimum wage. So people who right now are thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good because the minimum minimum wage is $7.25 and I'm making $13. It's, it's like if the minimum wage goes to $15, everybody's wages go up. Even, if, even musicians making cash on Bourbon Street, everybody would have to go up. It would, it would, be, it would be a bump for everybody. The myth that minimum wage workers are teenagers just on a break has been exploded over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Our minimum wage workers are people trying desperately to survive. And in a, a, a giant proportion of cases, they are trying to survive for themselves and for other family members, um, either small children at home or maybe elderly uh, um, um, relatives who are they helping to support. So nobody can live on 725, nobody, nobody at all. And if it had been going up uh, it, with inflation over the years, uh, it, 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 would, it would be more than 15. I believe I've read that it would be something like 20. So you know what I think of a $15 minimum wage? I think it's a good start. I just think it's a good start, uh, not just for, and, and I think we need to get rid of the tipped minimum wage. That's just, a, that's just a way to make customers or the consumer pay workers instead of the employer. Employers mm -hmm. should pay workers. I mean, that, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe I don't understand capitalism, but it seems to me that under capitalism, if you have a business, you should pay your workers. You should pay your workers fairly. They should be able to live on what you pay them. And there should, mm -hmm. and, 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 and that's just, and there should be safe working conditions. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was raised by a union organizer. I think these weird radical things, but I think all workers deserve first respect. Second, mm -hmm. a living, an actual living wage. And three, 
safe working conditions. I don't know why. I guess that makes me, you know, like a crazy radical out here on the left. But those are the things I believe. And I believe my religion upholds me in this. Uh, there is there is no way to to stand for the inherent worth and dignity of every person and say, but I think some people should make seven dollars an hour. Um, that's and, not inherent worth and dignity. And the crazy part, and the one thing that I think that trips me out is people saying, well, the food at like McDonald's or Taco Bell would go up, uh, would go up when if when we go to the fifteen dollar uh, minimum wage. Uh, policy. What do you say about, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, it's been all over the internet that uh, the price that you pay uh, for uh, fast food in Denmark is only slightly higher than, than, it, than it is in the United States. So it is clear that uh, the, the wage of the, the workers uh, in, in, the, in the buildings, in the franchises is not mm -hmm. Uh, is not the, the determining factor. The determining factor is the take-home pay of the CEOs. Mm -hmm. And the take-home pay of CEOs, not just in fast food, but just all across the board uh, in America, the take-home pay of CEOs is obscene. It's evil. It is anti-human. It, it I think forces, one, one report I thought was like 200,000. It, it, into poverty so that CEOs can make uh, something like, you know, uh, 2,000 times uh, the amount the workers make. It's, it's not right. There's no, there's, no, there's no principle or way of viewing this, no stand of perspective where you could go, oh, well, yeah, it's okay as long as you look at it like this. It's not okay. It's not okay. And if it is true that in America, the prices of certain uh, beloved fast food items, like my, my Popeye's chicken sandwich, um, if, if those prices have to go up in order for people to live, well, I'm okay with that. I would pay more for my wonderful Popeye's chicken sandwich if it meant that workers were taken home the kind of money that helps them to live and helps their families to live. Alan Keller, uh, who I follow on Twitter, he showed me there was this photo and I think Alan Keller, he tweeted it the other day. It was the woman that was like the day that they got the, the, the chicken sandwiches, the chicken sandwiches. Um, and she was just sitting there like just exhausted, like the, when the chicken sandwich first came out and she was just exhausted, like she was a, she had been on her on her led on her feet all day and i know for a fact like if you know about the one on saint charles even in a normal year during mardi gras those people put in work because they're right on the parade route same way with the mcdonald's on on saint charles they put in work and when he shut when he tweeted that photo out i was like you know what this is no different than what everybody what every fast food worker goes through during mardi gras season in a normal year they have to deal with drunks all this other stuff and they get very little in return in terms of pay 
Well, it's true. It, it turns out that the uh, American system not taking care of homeless people, people with mental issues, uh, and so forth. That that means the people who deal with uh, with with those folks are librarians and fast mm-hmm. food workers, and in some cases, you know, uh, police officers. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We don't have a good way of dealing with uh, with these things, and it's it's uh, uh, what has to go on in restaurants and uh, and low end retailing. It's it's abominable. I, I was I, I remember when I worked at. Ryan, Ryan, you went out. I can't hear you. Ryan, are you there? Oh, right. I'm here. I'm here. Like I say, I don't. Like I say, I don't know what happened. Um, probably like the Wi-Fi probably went out. Um, what I was saying, what my reality was when I worked at Lucky Dogs, the amount of stuff that you had to deal with on a regular basis during Mardi Gras season, and I'm like, I'm going home with peanuts. And, you know, and I think that's the thing, you know, I think that's like, it's something that I heard from someone on Twitter the other day. When you work in retail and you work in, in, in service industry, once you do those things, you will understand why there needs to be a $15 uh, minimum wage. But one last thing, Greg, before I let you go. Okay. Um, the stuff about, like, we talked about musicians. Um, they just... I think they just made, I think John McCutter, all those folks, uh, there was something about the Kid Ori uh, house being made a museum. I think it's, I think it's in, uh, in his birthplace uh, where he's from. I don't, I don't exactly remember, but I do remember seeing John McCusker, uh, John McCusker uh, talk about it on, on Twitter. Today is like the one year anniversary of me calling out PJ Morton uh, about the Buddy Bowden house. And with all these elders that we have lost over the last five years, since over the last five or six years since I've been here, um, why is it so important to preserve the jazz heritage landmarks in this city? Oh, I think it's vitally important, Ryan. I think you know that you and I were sitting together at the uh, uh, at the zoning meeting where, where where we were protesting what was happening to the Buddy Bolden House. Uh, uh, music is who we are in in New Orleans. Um, music, our food, our festivals, um, our way of life. Uh, this this is what makes the city special. And it makes it attractive to visitors. And unfortunately, the city has hitched its wagon to visitors 
as the only engine uh, of, uh, of the economy. Uh, but uh, if, if, uh, if we become one of those cities where the plaques sit on the sidewalk saying, this site mm -hmm. used to be where Louis Armstrong's birth home was. This site used to be where Buddy Bolden lit last lived. This site used to be where Kid Ori lived and worked and taught other musicians. Um, we, we become a shadow. The next thing we know, it'll. It, the next thing you know, it, it'll be. Mm -hmm. This site used to be we definitely where do. Mrs. Lee but anyway, invented food. You know, we we have to. Yeah, save and, and it's our like heritage. I can't imagine like that. You know. I you know, you know I so can't much has already been a lost. world without like uh, I can't imagine a world without uh, Dookie Chase. I haven't I've yet to go in there to eat. I'm gonna have to go in there to eat one of these days. Uh, I, I just can't go in there in basketball shorts and, and tennis shoes. Oh, you know I, she's I gonna let you that. do that. You know. No, oh no, it's sort of, it's sort of like the same thing with with Gabrielle. I. Gabrielle's on, on Orleans. I told Mary Sonia, say, look, gym shoes. I'm just not. You know, I, I, you know, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. But anyway, Rev, thank you so much for dropping by the podcast, folks. You can check this podcast out. Sorry for the technical difficulties. This Wi-Fi is a little bit wonky where I'm at. But you can check out the podcast on Apple Music. On, not Apple Music, but Apple Podcasts, and I have the link up tomorrow. For Reverend Melanie, this is Brian Hancock saying thank you for your time this time, and until next time, we will see you down the road. Thank you so much, Rev. Thank you, Ryan. Bye-bye.